0: Sing together about the habitation we have waiting for us. We're uh, the lesson for uh, Cody's class. Talked a little bit about songs of ascents, and I was, was thinking about that this morning. And, and very similarly, you know, the song we just sang. And, and excited, we're we're going together to this Zion awaiting us. And it's exciting that we get to be here together um, to anticipate that exciting event and to rejoice together uh, in our God. So originally I had a different talk planned for this section and as I started to parse out the details of it I realized uh, that there were no details to parse out that I had like a 10 minute thought and I was like well that's that's not going to work. So uh, I I came with a backup plan, and I was like, Ah, I don't know. Should I do it? Should I not? I, I like I couldn't decide. And then uh, I looked at the calendar, and I thought, Well, if there's one day to talk about sorcery, spiritual power, and exorcism, it's today. So, if you will, turn over to Acts the nineteenth chapter. Acts nineteen, we're going to be studying this morning the story of the sons of Sceva. Acts nineteen verses eleven through twenty. Acts 19, verse 11 through 20, it says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, "I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims." Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, "Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you?" And then the man in whom the evil spirit, in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled also many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it to come to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. this is a neat story. uh, and it's very linear. We get three parts, basically the first part, is that Paul is doing these amazing things. Well, God is doing these amazing things by the hand of Paul. Then part two, these exorcists see these awesome things that God is doing through Paul, and they say, man, that's really powerful. I want to get my hands on some of that power. So they start trying to do the same sorts of things that Paul is doing, and it goes very poorly for them. And then the Ephesians, seeing this and God being glorified, they have all these magic books, and they're like, Okay, if this is what happens when you try and mess with spiritual powers you don't know about, I don't want any part of this. And then they burn the books. It's great. Now, we're specifically going to be focusing on uh, verses 13 through 16, the the sons of Sceva. And I want to talk about what it is that they did wrong. And I have, I guess, sort of a a comical personal interest in this story. Because one time I uh, I was trying to convert this girl. I was studying with her. And I was sitting with her for a really long time, and I guess she didn't want to listen to me anymore. And so she told me that I was doing with the scriptures what the sons of Skeva were doing with the name of Jesus. And I have to say, that is the most original insult I have ever received. Um, but I started to think: like, what, what does that mean? What did they do? And Is it possible that we could be guilty of this? Because I doubt any of us are trying to cast out demons uh, by the name of the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. But I think that there are parts of this story that are more relevant to us than we might consider. So I'm going to ask, what is it that they did wrong? And I think uh, they did three things wrong, which will be the three points of our lesson. Is that they wanted to control power that they did not understand for selfish reasons. And we're going to talk about each of these in turn. So first, let's talk about this power. Obviously, Paul has this incredible power. uh, Extraordinary miracles done by the hands of Paul. Even stuff he's touching is able to heal people. And so there is an incredible power at present that is present in Ephesus. And these exorcists want to get their hands on that power. They see the power. They want to control it. And so uh, they specifically in this want to cast out one spiritual being, uh, demons, by the name of another spiritual being, Jesus. And so they are trying to control these demons. And so let's, let's read our verses again, verses 13 through, uh, through 16. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Skeva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, "Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you?" And the man in whom the evil spirit, in whom was the evil spirit, leaped on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So they tr- were trying to control demons. And it did not work for them. Now, I want to ask, why did they think that they would be able to do that? And Paul and his compatriots are clearly able to do this because they have the power of God. But humans without God are not supposed to be trying to do anything with demons, really. And for us to attempt to use that sort of spiritual power is definitely wrong. I mean... We talk about, we're aware that there were have always been and still are dark spiritual forces at work in this world. And that's why in the Old Testament, I should say also, clearly something changed when Jesus came. That now that Jesus is enthroned, the demons and dark spiritual forces, their their power is changed in some way, but they are still present. And as in the olden times, from the, the beginning of time, when... Uh, you know, God, you know, cast them out of the garden and then eventually they get this law, the, the law of Moses. It has specific uh, commands against necromancy, against sorcery, that the idea is you are not supposed to mess with these spiritual powers. And even today, the command still exists. We read in uh, the the deeds of the flesh in in Galatians 5 includes sorcery. Sorcerers are among people who are cast into the the lake of fire in Revelation 21. But I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about sorcery because I don't think many of you are, you know, trying to consult with shamans, necromancers, Ouija boards, trying to control demons. Like, that doesn't seem like the kind of thing you guys are going to be doing. But just so that we're clear here, that would be wrong if we were trying to do that. We are not supposed to be trying to control spirit beings, any of them. And so the idea that these guys are trying to control these demons, that's, that is problematic for them, and it, it leads to serious problems. Now, uh, let me just say so that I'm, I'm also clear. I'm, I'm not trying to say don't celebrate Halloween. I'm not trying to say, you know, Harry Potter is from the devil. I don't know. If you, if you think that then that's fine. You can think that. That's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm talking about if you are trying to summon demons, don't. (laughs) But there's a more nuanced aspect to this, and this is why I I go through all, all of this, because I think that the devil and his dark spiritual companions are not the only spirit beings which we might be able, might be trying to control. I think there are many times where we try to control our God, where we try and uh, manipulate him in some way. And that's what these guys were trying to do with demons. They were like, look, if we say the right kind of words in the right kind of way, we can have control over these spirit beings. That's, that's, I mean, straight up, you know, witchcraft, sorcery, trying to do a spell. And But we can do the same thing with God sometimes. I mean, have you ever prayed to God and then gotten frustrated when he didn't do what you asked him to do? It's because your expectation was that God would listen to you. And when he doesn't, we get mad. Or have you ever been through an experience and thought, you know, I don't, I don't deserve this. I'm a good person. Why did, God, why did God do this to me? And we get upset at God because in our hearts, in some way, we're trying to control him. We're trying to manipulate him. And we need to be wary of doing that. I think about... Uh, the story of Job. Because when we talk about Job is a story of suffering, but I think ultimately Job is a story about whether whether doing good things is an assurance of getting a good life. And so we see the accuser comes to God and he says, look, Job is only following you because you're giving him a good life. And if you didn't give him a good life, then he wouldn't follow you. The implication then is that Job is trying to control God, trying to manipulate God to make God give him the things that he wants God to give him and God puts Job to the test and lo and behold that's not the reason Job is serving God. Job has a heart of integrity but the way that his friends talk to him betrays uh something to me I think of this notion that they're talking to Job and they're like Job you are clearly a sinner because bad things are happening to you. And if you just repent, God is going to do good things for you, which of course is proverbially good advice, but this is not a law. Like God doesn't owe us anything. And so if we are trying to manipulate God, if we are trying to get something from him, God is not a pet. He is not a vending machine. He is our Lord, our master, our friend. And as we try and relate to God, we cannot be trying to control him. He has not a power to be harnessed. He is looking for a relationship with us and he is looking to be our master. And if we are expecting anything else from God, then we need to check our expectations. Now, of course, God wants to bless us. God wants to answer our prayers and, and it is not wrong to want God to answer our prayers. That's why we ask him for things. But we need to realize that God is not here to be controlled by us. God is his own power, and so the first mistake that the sons of Sceva made that we do not need to be making is trying to control a spiritual power that they did not have the authority to control. The second thing, they're trying to control a power that they did not understand. I just love the, uh, like, almost unfamiliar, well, unfamiliarity that, that this betrays, when they say, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Like, you know this, this Jesus, like, I don't really know him, but Paul is saying, so i like, that's the name I'm going to use. Like, it's so uh, awkward. And like, we understand that things that are powerful, and we just spent time talking about power, things that are powerful are also dangerous. And they learned this very quickly when this demon-possessed man chased them out and just really uh, just messed them up. That when things are powerful, we don't even be messing with them if we don't know how to use them. And that's why when, you know, when we train police officers, we give them like 60 hours of gun training because guns are dangerous. And if you're going to pick up something powerful, you need to know how to use it. Now, this This feeling of wanting to have a power that you don't properly know how to use, I mean, I think that's natural. I think we do this, uh, especially, I think, in academic uh, kinds of ways. I I was at a, a lecture at F.C., where there was a guy who was talking about evangelism, he got really excited about spreading the word, and he says, you know, we gotta take the word, we gotta pontificate it, we gotta bloviate it. And I was like, you don't know what the word bloviate means, do you? Like, It was obvious that he was attempting to to rile us up, to get us excited, to, to use this word, but he didn't know what it meant. And it just, it was kind of silly. And I, you know, I, I can laugh at him, but I, I did the same thing when I was uh, like 19. I did this preaching internship over the summer, and uh, I knew nothing about Bible languages, but that did not stop me from attempting to you know, use Greek things for all the time. And it was, it was just, it was utterly embarrassing. As I look back now, having taken a little bit of Greek, I just, I can't believe some of the things that I, I attempted to do because I, I didn't know, but I wanted to harness this power and I didn't understand it. We can do the same thing, but we need to recognize that God has given us a powerful tool as well, the Bible. We have the words of God, but there are many examples that we can look back through history to see that people have used this thing from God and they didn't understand how to use it and it led to destruction. And the reason they didn't understand how to use it is the same reason the sons of Sceva didn't understand how to use it. It is because they saw the power And they wanted the power, but they didn't care about God. They weren't interested in in Jesus. They just wanted to use Jesus' name to do something for themselves. And in the same way, there are people who want the Bible to justify the things that they want to do. I mean, you can think about, like, cult leaders who have led many people astray, by you know, an, a strange reading of, of Revelation and Daniel. Or you can think about the Crusades, millions of people killed because you know, of some you know, misreading of, of Joshua to justify the things that they wanted to do. Or I'm talking about you know, the many televangelists and, and people who have a following spreading the word of a health and wealth gospel or a, you know, one saved, always saved, and they're leading people, lulling them to a spiritual sleep because they're using the word of God without properly understanding it because they're not interested in the word of God. They're not interested in Jesus. They just want to use the power because they understand that there is great power in the word of God as there is supposed to be. Now, to be clear, this is intended to be a gift and it is intended to be good and we should be using it at, at, to be good. And additionally, I'm not trying to say that, you know, we need, that we're, we're fools, that we need, you know, clergy to help. Like, we can understand the Bible. I'm not trying to say that. What I am trying to say, though, is that there are lots of people who are not interested in understanding the Bible. They're interested in using its power. And in the same way as the sons of Sceva were trying to use the name of Jesus without trying to understand Jesus, we must be wary Ourselves and of other people who are trying to use the power of God without understanding the power of God, that this word that we have received it it is important, it is powerful, and we need to be careful as we use it. That is why there are so many commands about you know be careful as you teach and you know accurately handling the word of God because it's valuable, because it's powerful, and we need to be careful because if it's used in the wrong way, if it's used for selfish things it can become dangerous. So we've got first, they had a power. They wanted to control a power. They didn't understand that power. And finally, they wanted to use it for selfish reasons. And this has kind of been underlying the whole thing, but we'll parse it out here. Again, they weren't interested in knowing Jesus. They just wanted to use Jesus' name. So I guess, you know, these panhandling Jewish exorcists could get money or, you know, fame or something. Like they wanted to use it, maybe even power for power's sake. They wanted something from God. They wanted it for selfish reasons. And this has been a problem since God has been giving people power. I mean, you think about Balak and Balaam. Balak, very similar situation to these sons of Sceva. He said, you know, I see that the Israelites are coming on me, but I got this guy, Balaam, and I want to use a power that I don't understand for selfish motives. And Balaam, I mean, he gets a one pass because at least he understood the power of God. But Balaam wanted to control a power for a selfish reason. He heard the clink of gold and he was like, I want to get rich. And so he wanted to use the power God had given him of prophecy to, you know, to, for, to enrich himself. And that problem, you know, it's not just Balak and Balaam. I mean, you can look at uh, maybe Eli's sons, for example, who use their power as priests to uh, exploit the women who were to the temple to take people's food. Uh, You can look at priests and and prophets later on, uh, say in like the time of Micah, where Micah talks about, you you guys are, you're exploiting your power, you're taking bribes, you're not using what God has given you for good purposes, you're using it for yourself, in the same way, I mean, God has taken us, he has sanctified us, he has transformed us, and we can move from you know, a, a dark past to something new, to be transformed, to become more holy, more righteous, to have more control over the urges of the flesh. Like, all of those things can be good, and those are blessings that God gives us. God gives us blessings to be able to pray, to, to lead singing, to preach, but we don't need to take this power and use it for selfish reasons. I mean, you can see so many times through the history of the Israelites and just the, the Jews in general that they took the power of God, they took the blessings of God, and they left God behind. And we can't do that. I mean, that is like definitionally whoredom as all of these, as all the prophets talk about taking the blessings of God and just forgetting him. It's idolatry. We cannot do that. And so we have to use the power of God properly the way that God intended to, not for selfish reasons, not to uh, improve our lives, not to you know, have a, a cool personality or to get fame or money. It's about God. God gave them to us for a reason. And so the sons of Sceva, their problem was that they wanted to control the power that they did not understand and they wanted to use it for selfish reasons and we have to be careful that we are not approaching God in that sort of way again you know God is not some vending machine God is not a pet God is God our lord our master and our relationship to him does not need to be one like a sorcerer, that we are trying to control him, that we are trying to exploit him, that we are trying to use his power without understanding or appreciating God himself. Because that's what sorcery is. That's what we need to watch out for, whether it's you know, definitionally, you know, sorcery, you know, handling with demons, or similarly, the essence of sorcery, trying to control God, a spirit being, to manipulate him for our for our desires. That's not what we're about. That's the problem that the sons of Sceva ran into. And so as we come back to our story, we're reminded God can do amazing things. He was doing amazing miracles, extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And that power is intoxicating. People are going to look at it and they're going to say, I want that. But when they use it for their own good, when they use it for Uh, selfish reason. When we do that, we create problems for ourselves, we sin, we perform idolatry, and we lead to danger for ourselves. How did this story end for the sons of Sceva? But that the man with the spirit leaped on them, mastered them, overpowered them, and they fled out of the house naked. That is what happens when we mess with this power that we don't need to be handling. But the story has a happy ending. Because As you can see, the people of Ephesus saw the power of God. They saw what happens when you mess with spirit beings that you don't need to be messing with. And as a result, they divulge their practices. They burn their magic books. They put that aspect of their life behind them. In the same way, as we read this story, as we understand the way we're supposed to interact with God, the blessing of his power, but also the danger of his power, That God wants to bless us, God wants to take care of us, but that he is not there for us to manipulate. When we begin to understand God properly, it can remind us how we are supposed to interact with God and can remind us to be wary not to do what the sons of Sceva did. And so if you find yourself looking at your life and you're saying, look, I've been trying to manipulate God. I've been trying to control him to make him do my own will. I've been trying to use God's power selfishly. Then do what these Ephesians did. Put that behind you. Burn your magic books. Divulge your practices and come to the Lord so that the word of the Lord can continue to increase and prevail mightily. Thank you so much. I know it's early, but we'll be dismissed to class now. And thank you so much.